You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by The Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here, Keep Canada Weird is a venue in which my pal Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which was recorded on November 8th, 2023, Aaron and I bite off just about as much as we can chew. Kitchener, Ontario is going to bring us our first Christmas story. We're going to consider a case of mass hysteria in Red Deer. And we'll feel pity for a Quebec man who was only able to get his wife's attention after a $55 million lottery. So let's get into it. Handsome Aaron Airport. We're here outside of our schedule. We've rearranged our life completely. You turned my personal and professional life on its head because you need to rehearse for a... Uh, several things. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was just one thing. No, no, I've got two shows on the go right now. One is a dinner theater that I'm just directing, so I'm not in it, mm-hmm. but I'm needed at rehearsals, obviously. And then the other is Elf the Musical that uh, will be going on in December at the Savoy Theater that I am in. So okay. Uh, so my evenings are, are quite jam-packed for the next little while. So you and I will be finding creative times in the day to to record our episodes to, to save the country to keep the country weird uh, is your priority number two behind entertain the country during the holiday season yeah i don't know uh keep can keeping canada weird is is clearly my number one priority however just because something is being shuffled around doesn't mean that it is any less important okay in terms of my motivations and and my intentions. Okay. Okay. Well, speaking of motivations and intentions, I have a a voice memo that came to us from a new listener. She has some serious questions about our motivations and our interests. Uh, And and I think we should tackle this right off the top because she raises some interesting points that I don't think we Mm. think about a lot is someone new to our show that tunes in Right from the beginning, they get it. It's going to be about, you know, unique and offbeat and unusual Canadian news stories that take place over the last week here in Canada. I make that clear on the intro, but I I guess I never really thought of how some of this lands to a new listener. So let's hear Kristen's questions and maybe we can just set the record straight once and for all. Okay. Hi, my name's Kirsten. I'm a newer listener and I've been really enjoying the banter between you guys. But there's definitely a couple things that I'm confused about. First off being the insane hate for Tim Hortons. I'm seriously confused. (laughs) Is it just because it's become so corporate and like so crappy? Is it just you hate Tim Hortons to start with? Because I feel like Tim Hortons is one of the very few small Canadian companies that actually got big and now everybody's angry and I just don't get it. (laughs) I'm going to pause it there. You want to just tackle this part and then we'll move on to Kirsten's other questions. I I think she makes a pretty good case there for the most part, but I, I, there was a glaring error. We'll correct, but she says, is it because it used to be good and now it's awful or is it because it's just awful? Do you want to summarize our issue and our beef with Tim Hortons? 
it's certainly nothing to do with the size of the company compared mm-hmm. to Walmart. Like imagine if you went to the very first Walmart ever that was, you know, probably in a small town um, and you would get really good customer service, really good one-on-one knowledgeable service from the employees there. There would be a lot put into the to the quality of everything. Um, but then you don't think of Walmart now as a place where you go to get great customer service. You go there just to get cheap stuff. Yeah, you get, that's... You get as much as you can all at once for as less as possible. You're not going there for quality. But Walmart doesn't really pitch themselves as, you know, hey, we're this quality brand where you're going to get quality things. It's like they kind of really know what they are now and they yeah. and they market themselves as such. Whereas Tim Horton still tries to pretend that they're the local coffee shop on the corner that cares mm. about your community and offers really good coffee and, and really good donuts. So, they don't anymore. That Those well days put. are so long gone. Yeah, they need to adjust their marketing to be like Tim Hortons. We're everywhere. We're quick and we're fairly cheap. Yeah, cheap and fast. Yeah. Uh, well, that answers Kirsten's first question about the show, but there's more. But also, what I don't understand is the hate for Tim Hortons, yet if I understood correctly, you guys have quite the love for Trudeau? Very confused. Very confused. Explain it to me, please, for all of us newbies here. Because I admit, hearing you guys trash Tim Hortons quite often Hmm. isn't exactly exciting listening (laughs) (laughs) you guys need another company to drag on Hmm. I could suggest the Prime Minister if I could revive Tim Horton from the dead and put him as Prime Minister I'd do that (laughs) anyways thanks for trying to keep Canada weird. So I'm going to stop it there. So I don't know if we've ever said we love the prime minister, but I think we did make it clear that there was a time in the early days of the show where we were primarily supported and propped up by the federal government, which of course, Justin Trudeau is the face of. Things have happened behind the scenes, largely uh, fallout from our live show at Capricorn and Cape Breton that led to the government distancing themselves from the work we're doing in this show. Uh, I think um, I think it's fair to say we're not in love with the prime minister. I don't really see us as a, as a political entity. You know, you and I, we're not here to give our political opinions on things. We're here to kind of, uh, you know, highlight stories, Canadian stories that are unusual, that are maybe not covered as much by the mainstream media. Uh, Stories that we think that are weird, that really highlight our country. Uh, We aren't really politically affiliated in any direction, uh, nor do we have strong opinions about our current prime minister for the is, good or for the bad, you know, who would you say is more handsome Trudeau or Pierre Polyev? Um, I feel like Pierre Polyev is bulkier. Like he's got probably a better body. Mm. Um, he seems like he's stronger than Trudeau physically. Mm. Okay. Um, he is, he is attractive. I do find him attractive. 
in a non-sexual way. I'm not sexually attracted to him, but I can recognize that he's handsome. He's 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 okay. in shape and interesting. Well, that's yeah. as political as we're going to get. We have to get on to the important work that we do to keep Canada weird. We're going to do it with a variety of stories that played out over the last week. Uh, I think we're going to dip our toes into millions of dollars. Uh, Christmas is going to come up. We're going to hear a story about a sort of mass hysteria playing out in Red Deer involving parking meters of all things. But I think we should maybe start right at the beginning with the $55 million lottery win in Montreal that has finally earned a Montreal man some attention from his wife. Before we get into the story, let me ask you, Aaron. You win $55 million. What do you spend it on? What are you doing? What's going to change in your life with that kind of money? I will disappear for a while. We talked about this maybe a few months back. There was another lottery type story that we had covered. And we had briefly talked about what we would do if we won that amount of money. And yeah, I would disappear for because I, I would assume that my phone would never stop ringing People would be looking for money. People would be looking for handouts. I would have a very specific plan about, you know, what charitable organizations I was going to give to, mm -hmm. what close family and friends were going to get some money. And then I would disappear for a number of years and let the dust settle before I come back home. What about if there was someone in your life that had been kind of ignoring you and not really taking you seriously for years? And then all of a sudden you win $55 million. Would you give them any attention or would you just be like, I'm disappearing from you too? They wouldn't be able to reach me, so I would, okay. I would, I would be unreachable. New phone number, um, I'd be off somewhere in an undisclosed location, so they just wouldn't be able to have that interaction with me at all. The reason I brought that concept up is because in the story of the fifty-five million dollar lottery win in Montreal, I, I dare say that his wife um, comes across as uh, not giving him a lot of attention over the years. Listen to this story. Then let's talk about it. Two retired denturologists from the Eastern Townships are $55 million richer after winning the Lotto Max jackpot on Halloween. Jean Larocque and Catherine Ennis have been together for 40 years. They've always only had one car to share, and they say with this jackpot, they may get another car. But they also say the money will go to help family and friends. Jean has been playing his birth date numbers for years and when he won, Catherine didn't believe him. Jean was checking his tickets, which I don't really pay attention to because it's never happened before. When he came in, he said, oh, you've got to come see, I won. And I said, oh, yeah, Jean, I'm baking. Leave me alone. And after all, he was shaking, he was white, he was sweating. And I says, well, I'm going to go see what the problem is. And uh, we checked the ticket four times, maybe. What was she baking? Well, she was baking Scottish oat cakes. And she says that maybe a trip to Scotland for authentic oat cakes is in the plans, too. Jean, meantime, says he wants to go fly fishing and give to charity. He wins the lottery. And she, she, like, she doesn't take him seriously when it's happening. Now they're on the news talking about the lottery win. He doesn't say one word. She steals the show and somehow manages to plug her stupid oat cakes. What do you make of this story? 
I've never tasted her oat cake, so I can't say if they're stupid or not. Um, uh, in maybe, the, in the maybe she makes million dollar oat cakes. We don't 50, know. $55 million oat cakes that that deserves some uh, airtime. I just can't speak to it because I've never tasted them. So I can't speak at all to her oat cakes and, okay. and the quality of them. I assume they're better than Tim Hortons' oat cakes. So. Mm, I don't know. Tim Hortons used to have good oat cakes, but used they to. never really sell them anymore. Most shops don't have them. No, but no. anyway, sorry, Kirsten. We'll yeah, on. yeah. That was a, more of a dig at Kirsten than it was <laughs> anything else. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so she seemed to have um, almost boy who cried wolf syndrome in this story. Like mm. she, he, he probably comes into the kitchen while she's baking and always has an outlandish story for her. Like, oh, you know, there's buried treasure in the backyard. You know, let's get our shovels and go find it. Or you know, she's like, oh, I'm baking, John. I'm baking. <laughs> Seems like this happens all the time, but then finally, you know, after 40 years of being together. Yeah, he's like hyperventilating in the other room and she's like, fine. She like lays down her wooden spoon or mixing bowl and her wooden spoon and goes in like, what? Yeah, what? He presents <laughs> the win and here they are. Um, but here I think they, are. they don't, it doesn't sound like they have very exciting plans though. Uh, with this money no they're gonna get you got 55 million dollars they're gonna get a second car and maybe go to scotland yeah to eat more oat cakes <laughs> or like to compare the oat cakes that she makes against the real scottish ones that's why i think there might be some validity to these oat cakes she's like you know what i've been wanting to 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 match up my oat cakes with oat cakes around the world for years because she feels that they're good enough or better so now they have the money to afford to be able to travel everywhere and see how her oat cakes measure up. That's right. She's got her oat cakes on national news. Like she's here on Keep Canada Weird plugging her oat cakes. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe that is the story. Maybe the lottery win is just um, is just going to enable her to bring her oat cakes from her kitchen onto an international stage. And if it costs $55 million to do it, the end result of having the world's best oat cakes, I guess, is priceless yeah yeah maybe right. maybe the hopefully or maybe the ingredients will change in the oat cakes now that they can afford the most highest quality organic you know free range this or that kind of ingredients for them to put into um, the oat cakes just so we're on the topic of like baking and stuff i have a question for you i don't know if you can help me this is unrelated to the show but i had to get flour the other day because uh mrs nighttime was making something and when i was at the grocery store there was like all these different versions of flour uh there was ones that were called bleached and unbleached do you know what the difference is why would you buy bleached flour and is that even bleached or is it a different word do you know what i'm talking about uh, I don't know enough about flour to really okay. weigh um, in on this. If any listeners would can give me a good reason why I would not want to buy flour that has not been bleached, let me know. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Yeah, okay. we'll see what thing. they say. Yeah. <laughs> let the wave of calls begin. It's not bleached, you idiot. I'm unsubscribing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys talk about flour too much on this show. Uh, let's move on before we get in any more trouble. So we got through the lottery win, but I think we're about to move on to what is the story of the episode, but maybe even the story of the season. I was I said this last week on an, on an episode is uh, once trick-or-treating is done, we jump pretty much right into Christmas with a very short stop along the way at Remembrance Day. But pretty much if you go to a mall or any kind of retail store, you know, Christmas is getting shoved down your throat 
as of November 1st, pretty much. Um, and that can be the case in, you know, in major malls and, you know, retail chains or whatnot. But there's also like Christmas craft shows and Christmas markets that pop up here in Halifax. We actually have two competing Christmas craft markets that are very big deal, like a very big deal. People have been working all year preparing their merchandise to come and sell to people reveling in the Christmas season at these markets. So they're a, they're a big deal here in Halifax. Do you, do you know of any major Christmas markets in Cape Breton? Yeah, there's um, Center 200 has a big one every year, or at least it used to. I don't, I don't keep tabs on it, but I certainly have been there before that was a that was the biggest one i think uh so it would be in downtown sydney at the arena and mm -hmm. there'll be all these vendors there and thousands of people would go through the mm -hmm. doors uh, yeah. and then there's a lot of smaller ones all mm -hmm. over the place yeah so it's it's big business all and not just here in nova scotia or in halifax or in cape breton all around the world uh, where people celebrate christmas they have these christmas craft markets where they sell their wares um we we know of these markets and, and have probably attended some but we rarely think about the people who organize them and how much money changes hands whether it's a crap christmas craft market or even just a flea market you spend money to be able to have a table there someone is involved in holding that money paying the venue paying for advertising and making the whole thing work well let me just tell you you're going to learn about the inner workings of a Christmas craft market in the most unusual way as a result of the absolute train wreck, dumpster fire, Christmas craft market chaos that just played out in Kitchener, Ontario. So basically, there's, there's a craft market that's been happening for years there. It's a big deal. But just last month, with hardly any notice, all the attendees learned that the craft market will be canceled last minute and if you've made a payment if you made a deposit for a table you're not getting it back that money's gone and this message came directly from the organizer i'll play you the news clip and then we'll get into what's happening at the critch at the kitchener craft market here it comes a devastating blow to craft vendors like trisha teeves it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars i have spent that's just i was counting on making back before christmas she, along with about 200 other local businesses, were scheduled to sell their products at the third annual It's a Christmas Market at Bingham's on November 12th. But on Thursday, they learned it wouldn't be happening. The host of the event had posted a very long message to everybody, and it was stating that she was canceling the event, that our money is no longer around, and that she had canceled the venue as well. Stacy Cliff from Stacy's Events organized the market and canceled after losing the vendor deposit. It was an emotional reaction for sure. I was very disappointed, uh, upset, um, confused. In a phone interview with CTV News, Cliff confirms she lost the money through gambling. I don't know what happened. It all just snowballs. I kept thinking that, you know, I spend a little bit of 100 here, 100 there, I'd be able to get a big win and, and that never happened. Vendors now left to figure out what to do with their inventory, as most other Christmas markets are fully booked. Some vendors are still hoping there's a way the market can happen at the same place on the same day, but say they've been told permits, licenses and inspections are required. A lot of us are trying to band together to continue it. It's kind of reassuring. Um, not everybody's giving up yet. Cliff offering an apology. I said I'm terribly sorry. 
I, I know that that won't fix anything, that won't uh, give them any money back. It means nothing to most probably. And many of the vendors say they're now working together to compile information in order to file a police report on this situation. Oh, holy crikey, what a mess that is. You, you hear of these kind of stories where people have a gambling addiction and destroy their lives and blow away all their money. The contrast of that story mixed with like this down home Christmas craft market is just something else. It's the kind of avenue that you would never expect like the gambling issue to come into play at, mm -hmm. you know, and when you're handing over your deposit down uh, as a vendor to a Christmas craft fair, you assume that that money is, is safe. And it's and not I the mean, first year. There's like the third year of this craft market. So it's for the most part, an established event. Yeah. Established. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect anyone who's involved in organizing a Christmas craft fair would struggle with gambling but i mean that's that's i guess a stereotype situation where it, it can appear anywhere mm -hmm. uh, so we shouldn't be so ignorant to assume that someone who organizes a christmas craft fair wouldn't have a gambling problem mm -hmm. but just for some reason you just would be surprised to to hear about that it's just and, not what you'd expect yeah and it's um in in people are generally like we're cautious and we want to not be ripped off. So if someone asks me for a large sum of money, I'm going to, you know, my guard is going to be up. But in this case, and I think what made this uh, be so effective or, or affect so many people uh, in this way is the, the amount of money they would have had to send Stacy, the organizer was just between one and $200. So it's not like you're giving her an incredible amount of money, but you're not out one or $200 when this happens because you've spent months buying material, working, you know, putting your stuff together, knitting or sewing, or, you know, doing whatever it is for the stuff you're going to sell. So now you're out all of that work and materials. And you're also now scrambling for like, how am I going to find a place to sell this? So it's not really, and, and the article does get into this, but it's not really the $200 that these vendors are out. It's, you know, it's a whole lot more than that. It's, it's a sad story. Yeah, time is money and the amount of just physical labor that you put into it is astronomical. Mm -hmm. Um you know my my ex was a was a crafter and she would do some of these Christmas craft fairs and different oh, things right. and and I used to see the amount of time that would go into it uh months leading up to these events just making inventory and just slaving mm -hmm. away at this stuff. Um but the thing, too, in this story that's interesting is the woman who lost the money, she owns up to it uh, pretty clearly. Yeah, you want me to read, like they mentioned there, she, uh, one of the vendors said, um, you know, she, there was an, a lengthy message that all the vendors received. I have it here. I'm going to read it to you, okay? Yeah. So there, there was a Facebook group that was all the vendors uh, for this Christmas craft market were, had a Facebook group so they could communicate and arrange the planning. And unceremoniously, the organizer, Stacy Cliff, made this post. To all my vendors, I apologize for my absence over the past week. I've been in hospital since Thursday evening and will continue to stay for the next two weeks. It's with my most profound apologies that my mental health addiction compiled with my absolute selfishness has created a storm I can no longer control. The event, the third annual It's a Christmas Market, as well as the second annual Christmas Shopapalooza, are both cancelled. 
So many of you have followed me, had faith and trusted me throughout good and bad events. I've taken that trust and worse, I've taken your money and have done the very worst I could have done, which is not putting it where it belongs. The disgust, I f the disgust I feel in myself is still so overwhelming and surreal that I have been capable to do this to hardworking, good, honest people is why I need to stay where I am so I don't do harm to myself again. I need to get pro proper treatment and counseling. I honestly cannot say I can pay many of you back, if any at all. My career as an event planner, that's obviously over. And I will never have myself in this position again to have control over people's money, knowing the damage I can cause with this sickness. It is important for everyone to know that I acted completely on my own, even hiding my addiction and actions from my loved ones and close friends. I am profoundly sorry to everyone. So that is the, you know, um, the announcement slash apology. Um, this, we're going to call back to a prior Keep Canada Weird episode. You remember we talked about the story of the accidental cremation and we heard the owner of the... Um, funeral home, you know, come on the news and just take it on the chin and apologize. I feel like Stacy Cliff kind of did the same thing. She went on CTV, apologized, was for the most part appeared to be transparent in in this message that she gave to all the vendors. At least she told them, I guess, is what I, what good I have to say about that. Yeah, it's not like they're arguing about what happened and it's he said, she said, or blame being thrown both ways or whatever. Mm -hmm. it, it's not being dragged through the mud in that sense. So the the organizer has just come out and flat out admitted what happened and took all the responsibility for it and mm -hmm. is hoping to eventually, hopefully make it right at some point in time. Yeah, um, I, I'm sure there are people who have issues with the way it was framed as like my mental health my addiction but i don't think there's any dispute like you can be addicted to things that aren't drugs such as gambling and gambling nowadays well i guess it's been this way for several years it doesn't need to happen at casinos or at bars that have vlts you can sit in your house at night when your husband or wife or kids are asleep and just pop open your ipad or your laptop and just hit a button and watch your bank account drain. And if you're in a position to have trust over people's money and access to people's money, I can see how one bad decision could lead to another. And all of a sudden there's a, you're caught up in a storm you can't fix. I, I can understand how this could happen. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely an addiction, a sickness and chasing that jackpot and the way it makes you feel and uh, the possibilities that you can imagine and, and some people's brains just can't steer away from that. So, hmm. um, yeah, hopefully things will shake out in a way where people get their money back eventually and we'll see what happens. We'll yeah. hopefully you know, a, a positive update will come down the road. I don't know. Well, I think we have a positive update is that I, I think a lot of the vendors are probably accepting the fact that they're owed the one or $200 deposit. What it seemed they really wanted was a venue to sell their merchandise prior to Christmas. And I don't know all the details, but it does appear that somebody has stepped in and taken over, not this event, but another event and is making a Christmas craft show happen that's able to accommodate the vendors who were um, shut out from this one as a result of uh, Stacy's uh, issues, addiction, whatever you want to call it. But my goodness, what a train wreck. Uh, that is the first of what will be likely several Christmas stories that we're going to have leading up to the holiday. 
Oh, yeah, I imagine there's going to be a lot of festive little weird things that are going to happen in between now and December 25th. Before we get on to the next story, though, let's check in with a cor- with a Keep Canada Weird correspondent. Is that all right with you? Yes, yes. I love our correspondence. And this is one of our hardest working, most dedicated correspondents. I'm talking about Kitty over in UK. We just received oh, her latest yeah. report. Hi, Jordan and Aaron. It's Kitty here, your international correspondent for the UK and Ireland. Um, I think we've agreed that cats aren't involved in the animal uprising. Uh, However, a story in a newspaper today um, has given me some pause for thought on this issue. Um, So several owners are reporting that their cats have begun flushing the toilet, um, particularly during the night. Um, I will send you a copy of the uh, article. I'm just wondering if maybe it's gone a little bit further than that and perhaps the cats are actually using their toilets at night um, and the aftermath is is the flush. Um, So they've actually come a lot further than perhaps what their owners are suspecting. Um, I'm wondering if cats, while obviously still still on our side, so to speak, perhaps they're... um, preparing for when humans are redundant and they're perhaps considering taking over the properties and uh, maybe making their litter boxes a thing of the past. Um, Quite concerning. Be interested in your thoughts. Anyway, take care and thanks for another fantastic episode. Hmm. You are with Kat. Yes, yes. And I have, this is the first time I've heard this. Uh, I don't like to listen to the voicemails beforehand because I like to have a, you know, a nice natural and organic reaction to them on air. So go for it. What do you got to say? Okay. So I have a theory as to why these cats are flushing the toilets. Okay. Uh, And it's not to use the bathroom. So you can train a cat to use the toilet. There are kits you can buy um, that allow you to train your cat to use a toilet instead of the litter box. But this is a lot of cat experts do not recommend that you do this because cats instinctively, uh, you know, over evolution, like to bury their waste. And that's a very uh, natural thing for them to do. And training them to do otherwise is unhealthy, they say. Um So, but cats love moving water Mm -hmm. instinctively in the wild. uh, Cats avoid still water because it can carry bacteria. Mm, Interesting. That's probably an evolutionary trait. That's an evolutionary trait. So, so a lot of cat owners will find that they put water out for their cat in a dish, but the cat doesn't always drink from that or maybe doesn't like to or only drinks a little bit from it. And then they notice that their cat maybe goes into the shower after you've used it and licks up the water that's pooled in the shower after you after you had a shower mm. um, or they even drink from the toilet. Mm. Um, so because all that water has been freshly moved. So if the cats have learned to press down on this handle and it moves the water for them, they prefer to drink it after it's moved. Could it just be simply that the cats are, their owners are in bed, so they're just kind of making themselves at home, which I think would maybe reinforce the ideas that cats are much more aware of what's going on in this world and within our homes. If we're asleep and they're willing to, I'm going to get the water I prefer. 
Yeah, the water I prefer is is moving water. So I've I've noticed and learned that if I press that handle, it the water moves and well, they're smarter than we it. think, right? They certainly. Oh, absolutely! Are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for your report, Kitty. I will check out the article you sent me. Uh, we have another thing to talk about. Uh, do you see what I'm holding in my hand here? Ah, Halloween Th kisses. This is a big bag. Well, this was a big bag of Halloween kisses. Initially, there was 600 grams of Halloween kisses, which are those cool orange candy that we all remember from our childhood. When I got it, there was 600 grams in it. It's probably down to about 200 grams now because I realize I actually like those kisses. On a prior episode, we talked about them, and I think I said that mm -hmm. they weren't great. A very generous listener sent those to us, and they included a note. Let me read you this note. Hello, Jordan and Aaron. I'm a huge fan of the Nighttime Podcast and recently heard you and Aaron discussing these candies. I was so excited to see these at Shoppers today as I thought they were obsolete now. I hated them as a kid in the 80s, but now after trying one, they taste like nostalgia. As a fellow 80s kid, I thought you'd like to taste them again, and Aaron too if you see him soon. Happy Halloween to you and your family from Michelle and family, who are fellow residents of Halifax. So they sent these to us. I'm going home to Cape Breton this weekend. I'm going to bring the rest of the bag down for you. Oh, and, okay. Okay. And I will say if there, if there's any left, then you want me to eat them in front of you. I want to sit and watch you eat them. Okay. I'll eat three pieces in front of you. They do taste like nostalgia. I remember them being more toffee. They taste more molasses than I it's remember. It's more a molasses treat, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the kind of thing a molasses cookie or a molasses candy is the kind of thing that more adults are into than kids. I think mm -hmm. uh, I gave one to my kid. Um, he actually liked them, but he's oh. not a great reviewer of candy because it's like any candy he's allowed to have. He's like, yeah, he's just uh, happy to be there. He's just happy, happy, to, happy play to be the there. Game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I appreciate you sending uh, treats to us, Michelle and family. That was fantastic. Anyone else who wants to send us something, uh, my PO box address is listed on nighttimepodcast.com on the contact section, but don't feel the need to send us anything. We're happy to just get your voice memos and your support in keeping this great country weird. Speaking of that, I found a weird story that I can't wait to investigate with you. Let's do a full investigation. We've talked before about weird businesses that are creating an uproar, people bidding on that Donaire costume, people lining up to go to those weird crazy bin stores, uh, people going crazy over pumpkin pies at Costco in a certain part of Saskatchewan. Well, it's happening again. This time it's happening in Red Deer and the product that people are going nuts for, for some reason, is decommissioned parking meters. The city has changed how it manages parking. And instead of like putting coins in one of those stupid metal things, they have some new online service, which is a pain in the butt. They have one in Halifax. And every time I park, it takes me 20 minutes to like figure out the stupid app and everything else. But as far as why people are going nuts in Red Deer for these parking meters, that's, that's a mystery and that's the question. I'll play the news story and then we can get to the bottom of it. So you're here to five, and then after today, you're done, right? Cheryl Stanley stood in line for just over half an hour on Thursday, hoping to get her hands on a piece of history. I thought there'd be lots left, but like, I, I had no idea that people would be so interested in these meters. The city of Red Deer sold 1,100 coin-operated parking machines this week, preparing for a full transition to a digital parking system, a decision that was made by city council earlier this year. There was people that were reaching out 
out at that point to say, what are you doing with the old meters and how can I get my hands on one? So we thought, well, if there's some interest, there may be more. The city's parking and licensing supervisor says at one time there was close to 500 people waiting their turn. I think it's wonderful that so many people want to, you know, a piece of downtown history. Um, the creative ideas of what people are going to do with them, I think it's fabulous. So I'd, I'd rather see people use them than uh, just recycle. So I think that's amazing. Cindy Cummings and her mom purchased a double meter for $40. Just to have one because they don't have them anymore. Just for fun to see what it was like. Nostalgia. Yeah. Stanley bought a meter for a friend living in South Carolina and was surprised the meters were on sale in the first place. I'm surprised, like we were talking in the lineup, that they didn't give them to a smaller town that still is on meters um, instead of trying to make a profit on them. This certainly exceeded our expectations. Would you want a parking meter? I, I don't think I would. No, no. It's the last thing I'd ever want. Visually, like it's no. What it's, would you do with it? It's not gonna it's not gonna be cool looking in your living room. Where are you gonna put it? It's heavy as heck. Yeah. Like what it's been outside for 20 people, years. Yeah. And none of these people who lined up who they interviewed on this news story had a logical, reasonable explanation as to why they wanted these meters. Oh, well, I just saw that they were giving them away, and I thought, why are they giving them away? I should line up for one. I should have it. Oh. Yeah. Of the people, we actually heard from, there was two different groups we really heard from. One was a mother and daughter team. They bought a double parking meter, and uh, the daughter said, like, it'd, just be, it'd be cool to have. We don't have them anymore. And the mother said, yeah, for nostalgia. So for nostalgia, nobody gets nostalgic unless it's like a really old meter or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The only thing that I could think like maybe that maybe that it's the city's way of fleshing out some idiots. And they're like, <laughs> you know what? We we want to see who the real idiots are in this town so we can maybe cage them up and, and ship them off to an yeah. island or something. There's surveillance was, being done like or facial yeah, recognition was, technology for everyone who walks in that building. This was their way to like get them out of their houses and bring them into one spot and then have a parking <laughs> meter in with like, you know, like a big giant box with like a twig holding it up. And then they go to get the parking meter and then the box drops on top yeah, of them. Got one. Well, you, yeah, you, you gotcha. hear of, um, I, I remember reading about like uh, the police did this big sting for like organized criminals or whatever and the way it worked was they like had them win like tickets to a concert or something and when they showed up at the venue like everybody in there was just like arrested for being involved in some crime or something this was years ago but i wonder if this could be something like that just perhaps this town i don't know that's the history of, of red deer but maybe they have a large problem with people um falling for scams and the police are just you know, inundated, drowning in reports of like people falling for like, you know, weird phone calls or responding to phishing emails and getting hacked and losing their money. And the city tried everything to prevent it. And this is their last step. Like, you know, we tried everything else. Let's just get all the silly people in one spot. How are we going to get the silliest people? I don't know. Sell something stupid for We've cheap. got a bunch of old parking meters. Maybe we'll just list them for sale and all the idiots will come out. Um uh, but maybe they maybe they thought there was still money in them. That's what I was kind of thinking. Like, do these people think that there's still money in them? And then mm. look at this as like an investment, like, well, you know, I could pay forty dollars for a parking meter, right? Maybe <laughs> there's eighty dollars of coins still in it. Maybe there's only twenty-five dollars of coins still in it. Yeah. Clearly, every parking meter has been, you know, uh, completely drained of its money. Mm. But 
these people maybe are thinking to themselves, oh my God, this stupid city is giving away these these parking meters filled with money. I mean, <laughs> I'll pay $40 to see if I can make 60. Yeah, maybe that's it. Uh, I think the hottest take of all the people interviewed was, was the couple who were there to buy a meter for a friend in North Carolina. And when, when asked about it, their response was, um, we think it's, it's funny. Like, I think they were trying to shame the city. We think it's funny that they're, uh, they're not just giving these to like a smaller city who needs them instead of trying to make a buck off them. I think yeah, I thought they're I not, they're, they're not take. making, it's just like, they just want to unload them, you know, mm -hmm. so they're going to sell them. They're no. not making any substantial amount of money off of these. No, parking. the city, like a, a city has to fix like one little tiny piece of sidewalk and it costs like $7 million. They just don't want to throw these things at a landfill. So they're, they're selling them off into, into act as if the city's being selfish by not like donating them to like a smaller town. Could you imagine the logistics even of dealing with like uprooting all these parking meters, finding somewhere else to like reinstall them and have them still work. They're these old beat up things that have been sitting in the ground in Red Deer for 25 years. And now like every other city, they're cutting costs by switching to a digital city. So they don't got to send someone and collect the quarters every week or whatever. This whole yeah. story is nonsense and I'm sick of it. It's, it's making me pretty mad. Um, yeah, I think you don't think there's a mystery here. If there is a mystery, I think we solved it. And yeah, they're probably just rounding up fools. They're either rounding up fools or it's just like, we don't want to deal with these meters. They're mm -hmm. heavy. We hate them. We, we think there's enough stupid people in our city that'll come and buy them office and we'll go get pizza with the money. <laughs> that could be it. Well, I think we've done our work here. We found a collection of stories that illustrate exactly how weird Canada is and its unique flavor of weird over the last week. Is there anything you want to get into or say before we put a bow on this thing? No, I think uh, keep the keep the candy coming. I mean, we we were kind of sending people candy yeah. And then, um, and then it just and then now people are sending us candy. And it's way better this way. Yeah, I think I think this is the way we should continue uh in is to encourage more people to send us and and you get to eat them first so that way if they're poisoned you die well before the candies make their way to my place. So it really works for me, so. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh for everyone listening and anyone listening, if you want to serve as a Keep Canada Weird correspondent, it's easy. Go to nighttimepodcast.com slash contact and send us a voice memo letting us know what's happening in your town. And if you want to give an opinion or react to any of the stories we discussed, or if you have a theory regarding the Red Deer parking meter sale, let us know about that. Let's put a bow on it. Aaron, until next time. Jordan, until next time. Uh, don't trust someone just because they're involved in the marketing and organization of a Christmas craft market. And Jordan, until next time, don't trust anybody who wants to buy a parking meter off of you. The end. The end. I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I fulfill our mission to keep Canada weird, but let us also call out to you for even greater support. If something weird happens in your neck of the woods, please let us know about it. We'd love to have you as a Keep Canada Weird correspondent. And if you have any thoughts or opinions on any of the stories we discussed tonight, we want to hear about that too. The best way to reach us is by voice memo sent at nighttimepodcast 
com slash contact. We hope to hear from you. Now, before we part, let me give some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big shout out to the internet's favorite cult leader who provides the intro and outro voiceovers and Monty Data who provides the outro version of O Canada. And then lastly, but most importantly, a massive thanks goes out to each and every one of you listening to Nighttime as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. Now on the topic of support, let me thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed. Libby and Patricia, thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show, you can help us out here in a few ways. First of all, a premium feed subscription costs just a couple dollars a month, and that money funds the creation of the show. But the premium feed will also give you the episodes two days early, it'll get them to you ad-free, and give you access to a full back catalog of nighttime episodes. That sounds like something you're interested in? You can go premium right now at patreon.com slash nighttimepodcasts. And if you don't want to go premium, you can still help keep the country weird by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting all your like-minded friends know what we're doing here. We appreciate your support in growing the show. Now, until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let us know if you see anything weird. Keep Canada Weird is written, hosted, and produced by the Nighttime Podcast. And now to our viewers and listeners everywhere. Good night. Jean was checking his tickets, which I don't really pay attention to because it's never happened before. When he came in, he said, oh, you've got to come see, I won. And I said, oh, yeah, Jean, I'm baking. Leave me alone.